Episode 7, Obianuju Akiocha's Open Letter to Mrs. Gates. This is the appendix from a book I highly, highly, highly recommend called Target Africa, Ideological Neocolonialism in the 21st Century, published by Ignatius Press. I read this three or four years ago, and it had uh, it confirmed a lot of my intuitions, but also I learned a lot from it, and it certainly primed me to um, be a little bit cynical about certain contemporary issues. I'd just like to share with you the appendix from that book, which I'm sure you can find in many other places. An, an African Woman's Open Letter to Melinda Gates by Obianuju, Obianuju Akiocha. Growing up in a remote town in Africa, I have always known that a new life is welcomed with much mirth and joy. In fact, we have a special clarion call or song in our village reserved for births and another special one for marriages. The first day of every baby's life is celebrated by the entire village with dancing, real dancing and clapping and singing, a sort of gloria in excelsis deo. All I can say with certainty is that we as a society love and welcome babies. With all the challenges and difficulties of Africa, people complain and lament their problems openly. I have grown up in this environment and I have heard women, just as much as men, complain about all sorts of things. But I have never heard a woman complain about her baby, born or unborn. Even with substandard medical care in most places, women are valiant in pregnancy. And once the baby arrives, they gracefully and heroically rise into the maternal mode. I trained and worked for almost five years in a medical setting in Africa, yet I never heard of the clinical term postpartum depression until I came to live in Europe. I never heard it because I never experienced or witnessed it, even with the relatively high birth rate around me. I would estimate that I had at least one family member or close friend give birth every single month, so I saw at least 12 babies born in my life every year. Amidst all our African afflictions and difficulties, amidst all the socio-economic and political instabilities, our babies are always a firm symbol of hope, a promise of life, a reason to strive for the legacy of a bright future. So, a few weeks ago, I stumbled upon the plan and promise of Melinda Gates to implant the seeds of her legacy in 69 of the poorest countries in the world, most of which are in sub-Saharan Africa. Her pledge is to collect pledges. Her pledge is to collect pledges for almost five billion dollars in order to ensure that the African woman is less fertile, less encumbered, and yes, she says more liberated. With her incredible wealth, she wants to replace the legacy of an African woman, which is her child, with the legacy of child-free sex. Many of the 69 targeted countries are Catholic countries, with millions of Catholic women of childbearing age. These Catholic women have been rightly taught by the church that the contraceptive drug or device is inherently divisive. Unlike what we see in the developed Western world, there is actually very high compliance with Pope Paul VI's Humanae Vitae. For these African women, in all humility, have heard, understood and accepted the precious words of that prophetic Pope. Funny how people with a much lower literacy level could clearly understand that which the average Vogue and Cosmo-reading high-class woman has refused to understand. I guess humility makes all the difference. With most African women faithfully practising and adhering to a faith, mainly Christian or in some cases Muslim, there is a high regard for sex in society, especially among the women. Sex is sacred and private. 
The moment these huge amounts of contraceptive drugs and devices are injected into the roots of our society, they will undoubtedly start to erode and poison the moral sexual ethics that have been woven into our societal DNA by our faith, not unlike the erosion that befell the Western world after the 1930 Lambeth Conference. In one fell swoop and one clean slice, the faithful could be severed from their professed faith. And a little uh, side note here from Walton. If you don't know about the 1930 Lambeth Conference, go and look it up. Back to um, Akiocha. Both the frontline healthcare worker dispensing Melinda's legacy gift and the women fettered and shackled by this gift would be separated from their religious beliefs. They would be put in a precarious position, position to defy their faith, all for safe sex. Even at a glance, anyone could see that the unlimited and easy availability of contraceptives in Africa would surely increase infidelity and sexual promiscuity as sex is presented by this multi-billion dollar project as a casual pleasure sport that can indeed come with no strings or babies attached. Think of the exponential spread of HIV and other STDs as men and women with abundant access to contraceptives take up multiple concurrent sex partners. And of course, there are bound to be inconsistencies and failures in the use of these drugs and devices. So health complications could result, one of which is unintended abortion. Add also the other health risks such as cancer, blood clots and so on. Whereas Europe and America have their well-oiled healthcare system, a woman in Africa with a contraception-induced blood clot does not have access to 911 or an ambulance or a paramedic. No, she dies. And what about disposal of the medical waste? Despite advanced sewage disposal in first world countries, we hear that aquatic life there is still adversely affected by drugs in the system. In Africa, in both the bigger cities and the smaller, smaller rural villages, sewage constitutes a real problem. So as $4.6 billion worth of drugs, IUDs and condoms get used, they will need safe disposal. Can someone please show us how and where will that be? On our farmlands where we get all our food? In our streams and rivers, from whence comes our drinking water? I see this $4.6 billion buying us misery. I see it buying us unfaithful husbands. I see it buying us streets devoid of the innocent chatter of children. I see it buying us disease and untimely death. I see it buying us a retirement without the tender loving care of our children. Please, Melinda, listen to the heartfelt cry of an African woman and mercifully channel your funds to pay for what we really need. End quote. And then Akiocha goes on to to list uh, three, four, five, six different suggestions for what that that money could be better invested in. And and who am I? I'm a I'm a European Englishman. I happen to have white colour skin. I happen to be a male. I'm uh, in some ways uh, you could say I'm completely different from from this woman, but I'm not. I'm a human being. I'm a Catholic. I'm someone who uh, who agrees 100% with what the, this uh, this woman has to say. And so she says it from a, <clears throat> she, she's saying that as, a, as an African woman, she says these things. But I, I think we can all just, we can get rid of that phrase and just say as a human, as a human made in the image of God, we, I, we say these things, that these things will buy us misery. Um, let me finish. I might as well finish the appendix. So I'll read out these these suggestions that she makes. See what you think about this. So what we really need, quote, good healthcare systems, especially prenatal, neonatal and pediatric care. 
Needless to say that postpartum and neonatal deaths are alarmingly high in many sub-Saharan African countries. This is due to the paucity of specialised medical personnel, equipment and systems. Women are not dying because they are having too many babies, but because they are not getting even the most basic postpartum care. A childbirth or labour complication can very easily be fatal for both mother and baby. To alleviate this problem, new, well-equipped, well-staffed birthing centres with neonatal units need to be built in easily accessible parts of the poorest communities. And if Melinda Gates really insists on reducing population, she can have highly trained natural family planning NFP instructors strategically placed in these women's healthcare facilities. At least then there would be a natural and holistic approach. Second suggestion, food programs for young children. These would serve a twofold purpose if they are incorporated incorporated into free or highly subsidised nursery school programmes. They would nourish and strengthen the growth of children who are so, so vulnerable to malnutrition. And they would also serve to encourage parents to bring their youngsters, ages three or four, to nursery school. In so many parts of Africa, children miss out on nursery school education because it is expensive and considered a luxury reserved for the rich and the middle class. As a result, children miss the first few crucial years when basic math and reading are easily learned. By the time they are considered ready for school at age seven or eight, they struggle academically. Many of them never quite catch up and so drop out after six or seven years. This is when a lot of young girls are married off. This is when, six or seven years, good grief. This is when a lot of young girls are married off as mid to late teenage wives who unfortunately would become the perfect recipient of the Melinda Gates Comprehensive Contraceptive Care. Uh, just uh, close speech marks there. So food programs for children and tying that up with, with free or, or um, subsidised preschool education i've got mixed feelings about that but um i but from an african context i don't know i think those things um are complicated but let's but let's let's um let's go back to akiocha's suggestion so suggestion number three good higher education opportunities not just new school buildings or books, but carefully laid out educational programs that work. Scholarships, internships at high levels, etc. are needed. Despite the problems and obstacles to primary and secondary education, a significant number of young girls make it into universities, polytechnics and colleges. The problem, however, is that most of the schools and resources are substandard and outdated. As such, the quality of higher education is low and cannot compare to that of more privileged countries. Even though the teachers put in their very best and the students work hard, the system is inadequate and will always produce disadvantaged graduates who are not confident enough to stand with their counterparts who have studied in other parts of the world. End quote. Again, I would put a little um, a little asterisk there and say, hold your horses before you import some of our current educational system. Our educational system in the past has been has had very, very good points to it. And there are very good points at the moment, but it is not ideal right now what is happening in our education programs. Okay, back to the book. Three more suggestions she makes. Chastity programs. And I wholeheartedly agree with this. Such programs in secondary schools, universities and churches would create a solid support system to form, inform and reassure our young girls and women that real love is that is that which is healthy and holy. And may I add as well, Walter back here, for boys as well, this was not at all promoted in my catholic education here in england the idea of chastity was was not was not talked about um at all not pushed uh, and uh, yeah so not just for for girls bodies minds and souls but for boys too these things need to be um invested in 
Uh, okay, back to the quote. Many African girls are no longer sure about moral sexual ethics thanks to the widespread influence of Western media, movies and magazines. More support should be given to programs that encourage abstinence before marriage and fidelity in marriage. This approach would get go a long way to combating the spread of HIV and other STDs through the continent, and it would certainly lead to happier marriages. Support for micro-business opportunities for women. Fantastic idea. The average African women... African woman women is incredibly happy, hardworking and resilient and supports both economic and educational through training would most probably be used well and wisely. And final idea, 45 already established NGOs that are aimed at protecting women from sex trafficking, prostitution, forced marriage, child labour, domestic violence, sex crimes, etc. Many of these NGOs do not have much success because they are not well funded. Though most of them have good intentions, they lack professional input from those such as psychologists, logicians and medical personnel needed to tackle various problems. $4.6 billion. $4.6 billion can indeed be your legacy to Africa and other poor parts of the world. But let it be a legacy that leads life, love and laughter into the world in need. End quote. That's the uh, appendix, an appendix from Target Africa by Obianuju Akioka. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. I've tried to learn it. I've, I've watched some of her wonderful videos and talks online. And I highly recommend you should go and buy this book and read it with uh, with uh, an open mind if you are if you are cynical and uh, with with uh, with generosity. And then and then you should say a prayer for the success of of um, her ideas. Uh, not much more to say there. I wanted to to get that read. And you need to go and read it for yourself. Um, good stuff. Okay. Do I need to sing? I'm not going to sing a song. I feel a bit like this is uh, pretty serious stuff. Have a have a happy day. Have a happy day. Have a happy day. I'll play the piano. We won't sing, but I'll play the piano. Here it comes. Thank mm-hmm. you.